Hello there. How are you? I, for one, hope you are doing phenomenal. I'm your host, Jalen, and welcome back to Retrospection Connection, where we take a more critical look back at TV and movies that left their impact on us during a formative moment of our lives. Allow me to serve as your guide as we take a look back at today's chosen piece of media. In this installment of RC, I brought in my friend and resident high school show choir authority, Lily, to unpack the late 2000s musical teen dramedy, Glee. We talk about our individual experiences navigating high school life and how Glee reflected that back to us. The show's undeniable legacy of diversity and embracing the underdog, how Lily's post-grad career has altered the way that she relates to the show, and so much more. Sit back, grab a snack, and hear us talk about the show that helped define a generation of young performing arts lovers. And of course, follow Retrospection Connection on Instagram at Retrospection Connection and email me at retrospectconnect2001 at gmail.com, which shows that you'd like to hear featured or if you'd like to be featured yourself. Enjoy. friends here in the room with me and I am so glad to have her here because I don't know it just feels like a a full circle moment for us and so I'm excited to talk to you not only about this show but about life. Would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah what a cute intro I'm honored well actually my name is Lily and not honored but uh, (laughs) so nice to be here with you this feels very as you said full circle Feels like we're back in the lounge, just chilling, eating pizza, and chit-chatting over our favorite little go-to show. Yes, me and Lily were dorm friends back in the day. I'm just in awe of all that you've accomplished. Even in just the short span of time since we've graduated from college, this young lady has gone on to graduate again from Stanford. Not to put too much information out there. Not to put you on blast, but I I am just very proud of you and thankful that you have graced this podcast with your presence. Oh, stop. Thank God this isn't like visually recorded because I would cry. Um, Um, If you could cry, that'd be lovely. Uh, Yeah, make sure this mic gets it real nice and clear. Absolutely (laughs) loving. Well, let's just hop right into it. Uh, So something I always like to ask Before we get into the nitty gritty of the show that we're talking about, how would you describe your relationship to like popular culture and popular media growing up? I mean, I grew up in a really big family. So I feel like if it wasn't one thing, it was another thing that my like cousins and my brother would always introduce me to. I feel like I consistently had to be in the loop of pop culture and TV shows and music and fashion. So I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on like what's usually in and out. Doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with what's in and out. I have some hot takes. I digress. I'll save those for later. But yeah, Glee in specific though, I'm super stoked to like really get my hands on with you because that's just like 
the pop culture show, you know? Absolutely it is, especially when it comes to like popular music. That mm -hmm. is the hub, at least for like the late 2000s, early 2010s. So I am ecstatic to talk about that with you. While we're touching on your connection to popular culture, though, you mentioned that you grew up in a really big family. So I'm wondering, because of that, did you feel like you had to differentiate yourself in terms of like your interests in popular culture, popular media to sort of like stand out and show that you're different from some of like your other family members? Yeah, to be the quirky cousin. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, lucky, I'd say lucky for me, I'm one of few girls in my family. So that always kind of helped differentiate me. And I've always really been a big theater musical girly. And so I think that like fun, creative, colorful side would always kind of peek through in a way that it wouldn't for my cousins, to be honest. So I'm really thankful for that. And I'm thankful that like, they were both accepting of that and that they were also equally as intrigued to like learn with and from me. I love that. When you do have those interests that might be deemed quote unquote fringe or just like not of the mainstream. So you mentioned doing theater and something that we're going to talk about with this TV show, musical theater, choir, stuff like that. It's easy to sort of like mock that or belittle that, but it means so much to have a family that is supportive and can sort of build you up in that interest rather than tear you down for it. So I love that. And I also am so excited to talk about the show because of your connection to it. Yes, Yay. I'm stoked. All right. So as per usual, I always like to give a quick Wikipedia description of what the show is that we're talking about, which is Glee. Let me take a look at the description that I gathered from Wikipedia. My audience knows the drill by now. We're getting Wikipedia. That's the best we're going to do. Okay, so basic premise of the show. Glee centers on the New Directions, a glee club at the fictional William McKinley High School, which competes as a show choir while its disparate members deal with social issues, especially regarding sexuality, race, family, teen relationships, and teamwork. Now, after I've read that description to you, Lily, do you feel like there's anything that really should be in that description? Or do you feel like that gives a holistic picture of what the show's all about? I think that captures it pretty good. I mean, even just naming those characteristics, I thought exactly of which characters pertain to what. So shout out Wikipedia. They nailed it. I think they did a good job. Most times my guests are like, absolutely not. They missed this major element or... They could have just explained it this way, but no, I think it kind of gets to the core of it. Good job, Wikipedia. I'm curious to know, how did you find this show? Like, when did you start watching it? Why do you feel like Glee for you has become a show that you constantly return to and you reference and you look to share with other people? So I will say I wasn't originally on the Glee bandwagon, like when it first aired on television. I know I'm equally as shocked and disappointed. Well, this um, is news to me. Like, I, I'm curious, like what maybe took you a little bit longer to get on that bandwagon? I think I was just like so used to watching certain shows. Like I had my routine on certain channels and I wouldn't really deviate from that very much. And like I said, big family, one TV, 
didn't really want to be the person to hog it up. But I started watching Glee the summer of 2017 when I went to UC Santa Barbara for a second. I went there to study and I had friends there who were like, oh, you have to watch this show. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I've heard about her, never been a big fan. <laughs> and the very first episode that I watched was the episode with Kristen Chenoweth and she's singing that like maybe this time duet. I mean, iconic duet. Okay, so for... The heterosexual listeners as well as folks that are not plugged into the <laughs> uh, broadway scene kristen chenoweth she plays somebody in wicked right glinda i want to say okay yeah like yeah. major broadway girly i watched that episode watched that like astounding duet and i was like how have i not watched this show like my little thespian heart fluttered and so i was hooked and i killed i want to say the first three seasons while at Santa Barbara that summer with my friends. So I got through like a good chunk of it that summer. I think that's so cool only because me and my mother, weirdly enough, were watching that show together when I was, I would say far too young in retrospect, far too <laughs> young to be watching that show. I think that was <laughs> maybe about like 10 or 11 years old when we started watching it. It was one of like the few shows that were on like Netflix at the time. So we watched it, and I think at that time, the show was not anywhere near completed. So we had watched, like, the first season or two. I think for me, I just sort of trailed off as I got older. It didn't appeal to me as much, and then I went back years later after I'd gotten older. But it's cool to think that you were able to just watch the show in one fell swoop, for the most part, since by the time you watched it, the show had already wrapped and everything. I think the cool thing about Glee is that because there are so many characters and storylines, I never got tired of it. Even when I started barely jumping into the show, there was always something for me to grasp onto and continue watching. Well, something that I really liked about what you said a little bit earlier was like your thespian heart really latched on to the show and the premise, the characters. Mm -hmm. So. Talk to us a little bit about your history in the performing arts, especially when you were like going to middle school and high school. And overall, like what was your high school experience like? So I started doing theater and like performing in seventh grade. So it's been a hot second and a half. And then I really got like fully dived in in high school with my theater troupe. So I started doing shows and improv and dramas and comedies a little bit of musical theater and whatnot in high school with my theater director. And he was the guy that really pushed me to then do like competitive theater, which I did mm -hmm. not know was like a whole thing. I know. Competitive I know. theater? Excuse mm -hmm. me. Talk to me about no. this. So you would, at least like as like an actress, what I would do is I would have three minutes to do like two mini monologues essentially and show two characters, which was really cool. Very, very tough gig. But I would go, I'd do my competitions. I eventually went on to like international festivals twice Whoa. in high school. I said theater geek, capital G, <laughs> real. Wow. This, yeah. I feel like a world has opened up to me because I had no idea that this was a thing. I guess I assumed that there would be some sort of like acting competitions for young people. But on that level, internationally, that is so cool. And you got to go twice, you said. Yeah, so I got to fly out and compete. I got to be in a bunch of workshops. That eventually kind of led me to doing like a minor at UCLA in theater, which was, I mean, it was really cool, but also COVID definitely cut her short. 
yeah which sucks but yeah watching this show and like recognizing like the theater behind it and like their stage performances is so cool to watch and like unpack in my little mind because I just think about like, the stage managers that are calling the cues behind the stage and the lighting and they think about how long it took to block it and like what had to be switched around it's so like logistically interesting and yeah I, I love the specialization that it seems like it requires Everybody needs to be something of an expert in their particular field. Like you got the people that are extra good at lighting and the folks that are extra good at blocking. Uh, obviously, you have the actors, but you also need the directors and the producers. It takes a village, literally, mm -hmm. it's, at least it seems. Do you feel like the arts were supported by like your district and the school in particular? Did you ever have to worry about funding or gaining access to opportunities when you were in high school and even in college? Oh, like a thousand percent. I come from like a really small district in Southeast LA, which is not really well known for its performing arts. But actually, this is a great segue. Fun fact, the actress that plays Mercedes actually went to one of the schools in my district. She went to La Mirada mm. High. I know, small, small world. Wow. Wait, that is so cool only because Mercedes is far and away my favorite character on Glee. I Queen. just think she's an amazing character representation-wise, but also just talent-wise. Mm -hmm. One of the best singers that I've ever heard. Shout out to her. She just won Mass Singer a few seasons ago. And me and my mom were like obsessed with that show when she was on. We all knew it was her. She has an unmistakable voice, especially after Glee. Wow, small world. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ironically enough, her high school is definitely like the more affluent one in the area. So her school has like a proper theater and everything. My high school, we had the NPR and we had this like really old rickety stage that we like built from like scrap wood. And if we needed oh extra God. set pieces, we had to like scrap a few pieces. It was rough. It was rough. But I threw a director, shout out Mr. Pat McCloy, if you ever hear this. He was like the heart and soul of the program, and he made sure that whatever we needed to get done would get done. So that was really nice. You need that support network, especially of like older authority figures to be like, hey, I know we don't have everything, but we're going to try our best and, mm -hmm. and make do with what we've got. Because it can, I'm sure, be demoralizing at times to like feel like, hey, we don't have the resources that we need to like fully realize this project that we want to do, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so to have that adult support, I'm sure made a world of difference for you guys. Yeah, he was like Will Schuster, but you know, better and more appropriate. <laughs> oh, so for the audience that maybe hasn't seen Glee, Will Schuster or Mr. Shoe for short is the kind of beloved, kind of hated <laughs> teacher, depending on how you feel about them and some of their actions. But this is a really good transition to talking a little bit more about the show, since I feel like one of the looming storylines in Glee was the state of the education system, especially around the late 2000s, and really like the impact of the economic downturn that we were in as a country at that time. So from what I remember, this show came out in like mid-2009, which was just on the heels of the 2008 recession. So I just thought it was really fitting and apt for the show to come out at that time because it's about 
a niche club that has to fight for its funding at a public school. It felt just so of the moment. And that's why I kind of wanted to know about your experience, because I feel like that's a sentiment that I hear a lot from people that were in the arts, especially in school. They struggled to find funding and they struggled to find outside support. They struggled to find people that would come to the show so that the principal would realize, hey, this club has legs. You know, there are people that are willing to support and look out for this group. So it just felt very relevant to have a show like Glee come on around that time. And their foil. So the opposite of them was the Cheerios, which were like a cheerleading group on campus, contrary to the Glee Club and like theater and all the sort of like fringe groups on campus. They had, frankly, a shit ton of money. To put it absolutely lightly, they were buying like cannons and stuff, stuff that is not relevant for any sort of actual high school club. But yeah, like speak a little bit more about if there were any sort of like parallels between your performing arts experience and like fighting for your voice to be heard, fighting for the voices of your peers to be heard and that similar fight that happened in Glee, if you can. I think there are definitely a lot of parallels with like my high school theater troupe and Glee. I remember in the show very distinctly that like when Will Schuster, who was the teacher, when he was at the school, because he's like an alum of this school and like goes back to like get back to his community and all that yada 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 gibberish when he was in glee the glee club was like at its prime that was the golden age of the glee club that's when they were like almost expected to go to like nationals every year and then when he takes over the glee club that's when they have to like kind of rough it out and really like scrap some money together to like even make it to the first round of the competitions and my high school was pretty similar In 2010 and like 2012, maybe around my brother's time in the high school, it was like the prime time of the theater department. They would take an entire, not just like monologue actors, but entire shows to like these festivals and these competitions. They would fill the NPR with like three, 400 people for their improv shows and all these really cool things. And when I got there, it was not like that. We had gone through like a few changes in admin support. The districts was slashing money left, right, up, down. And so when I got there, it was definitely more Glee show-esque where like we had to write letters to get funding to go to our competitions and we had to, you know, sell tickets and like madmen sell tickets, really. (laughs) All those little things that you kind of hear about and you see in TV shows, not just in Glee, but in general, right? All these like small little clubs and like these teenagers really trying to like do something with like the small family that they have. All of that was really true for my theater troupe. And like I said, my theater director was always the one that would kind of push us and support us in doing that. For example, in our improv shows, in the beginning, 10 minutes or so of the show, it became like a running joke. We'd beg for change essentially. And Mm -hmm. so we would do like, I don't know, five push-ups for a dollar or like, you know, like little things like that. Yeah. So we had to get a little creative to get some money, which is also a theme in Glee, having to be a little, a little creative to make your way around. Yes. I remember there were episodes where they had to sell like taffy. Gosh, I'm trying to think of other examples, but you're right. There were several moments in the show where they had to be really earnest and- Mm -hmm honest about like, hey, I I just want to sing and my club wants to go to this thing, but we need your support. And Mm -hmm. it was like an uphill battle 
at least at their school, because they were constantly fighting against the powers that be, whether it be the principal that is just very pragmatic and practical. He wasn't necessarily against the Glee Club in my eyes. He just more like was responsible for the budget and had all of this pressure on him to prioritize what was, quote unquote, the best of the clubs and organizations on campus, which unfortunately meant that the Glee Club suffered Mm -hmm. uh, a lot for that. And then you have Sue Sylvester, which unarguably the primary antagonist of this entire show. She is the coach of the Cheerios, which is the cheerleading troupe that we mentioned towards the beginning. I guess a recurring theme of the show is that sort of assault against the arts, the devaluing of what it means to young people at that time in their lives. There was a sense that like the world would maybe be better off without these people because Mm -hmm. they're often relegated to being seen as like the nerds or the outliers of the high school ecosystem. As somebody that did choir and things like that, like around elementary and middle school, but then something in me around high school, I just, I don't know that I was brave enough to enter those sort of spaces because I knew how I would be perceived. Yeah, it was kind of cool to see these characters in Glee go into it, knowing that they would be perceived maybe in like a less than favorable light and still do it. It was a bit of like an underdog sort of vibe. They felt like, well, they're going to count against us anyway, so we might as well go harder and Mm -hmm. show them what we got, which I love. And to like add on to that, even the characters that were deemed like, quote unquote, the popular kids, right? Like the football players, Cheerios. When they were in that glee room, they understood that they were part of a community and a part of a family. And even if they beefed it, they were there for each other and for like the sake of the club, which is like really beautiful to see. Absolutely. That's what I loved about them, including some of the different members of the glee club, because, yeah, you have the folks that like are traditionally good singers and knew from the day that they were born that they want to do something in the performing arts. So you have Mm -hmm. characters like Rachel Berry, which is. I guess technically the protagonist of the show, though I think retrospectively a lot of fans don't love her. Mm-hmm. Just because she's very like type A and has a very idealistic view of what it means to be like in the performing arts and stuff like that. But we have a character like her who has known, like I said, since the day that she was born that she wants to be a singer and a very famous singer and performer on Broadway. You have somebody like Mercedes who wants to be a successful R&B singer. Somebody like Kurt, who is an openly gay character, who also has aspirations to be on Broadway in the future. So you have those people and you're like, okay, yeah, they would certainly be in Glee Club. Mm -hmm. That tracks. But you also have, as you mentioned before, you have the football player like Finn. You have the cheerleaders like Quinn. And I really like that the show sort of unraveled what it meant to be an insider. On the surface, these people would be deemed the absolute insiders. They are deemed cool and popular. They're going to be the people that you remember the most when you leave high school and you open the yearbook and you see them first. But I appreciated that the show explored those characters, explored their motivations, explored their fears, especially that fear of being left behind and like sort of peaking in high school. You see that they're, in a lot of ways, outsiders themselves. They don't feel seen in the way that they're perceived by so many people around them. They don't feel 
like they're given a holistic look, even the authority figures in their lives, like their parents. I was wondering, like, did you have anything to sort of speak on this idea of insiders actually being a bit of outsiders themselves? Like, did you know maybe people in high school or beyond that, like, on paper, you would say, these are the people that we should aspire to be. They are the cool people. And then you realize that there's a lot more to them that maybe they're like nervous about getting out or just a full picture that we don't really consider. Being very sincere, I think I would consider even myself one of those, mm-hmm. right? Like on paper, I was that kid that like was going to UCLA and I was drama club president and I was the drum major for the band and I was a peer advisor for the counseling team and I was doing all these really cool things and my resume was really listed, right? Knock on wood. But in the inside, I was like a mess and a half. And I felt like the lost fish going to a big school and not necessarily having that grounding and feeling like, okay, when I go to UCLA, what does it mean to be specifically Mexican at UCLA? What does it mean to be queer at UCLA? What what are all these little things that I have to kind of pocket? What do they look like in the real world? My high school journey, while I will say had its ups and downs, I think the really cool thing about the way that Glee portrays the quote-unquote popular kids in high school is that we see like two different sides of them where we see like Finn for example who's like afraid of peaking too early because he's doing so well and then we also see Quinn who is getting a teen pregnancy right and that's like a real thing that I also saw in my high school while Finn is out here doing really big things Quinn is on the opposite side of the hill and she's like oh my gosh I don't know what I'm doing with my life I think if I were to rewatch Glee and watch it starting freshman year through senior year, I think I would be able to relate to those ups and downs in different moments, which is something that I think the show does really well. Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned Quinn, who, as we talked about a little bit earlier, is that popular cheerleader figure that ends up being pregnant. Mm-hmm. towards the beginning of the series actually that's like her first primary plot and it really shakes her to her core one of her overarching storylines over the first three seasons is i don't know i guess accepting what your perceived lot in life is you know she's grown up in this small town and she's accumulated this social capital she's being seen as the most popular girl in school And she's destined to live a life as a very pretty woman Mm -hmm. who, you know, will likely have a handsome husband that is successful in their own right. And they live out the rest of their lives in, was it Lima, Ohio? Yeah. Yeah. You see her reckon with that over her initial arc in those three seasons. And I thought that was so fascinating because she's contrasted against Rachel Rachel Berry, that's the girl that has aspirations to go to Broadway, even though Quinn is positioned as like overtly more popular than Rachel, there's a jealousy and attention that she shows towards Rachel, because I think she sees that Rachel has potential to extend far beyond their hometown and Mm -hmm. become a star. I can certainly relate on like an ego level, fearing being stuck where I grew up, you know what I mean? Like staying there and not having something waiting for me in a bigger world, in a more open, accepting, diverse 
world. I don't know. Like I grew up in San Bernardino, which is not a small town, but it is smaller compared to where I'm at now in LA. Yeah, I guess I just intimately relate to not wanting to be left behind and feeling like there's something bigger out there for me. And I've thought about that a lot because on some level, I'm like kind of guilty about that because there's a lot of good in San Bernardino, a lot of great people, a lot of great programs, people that care about one another. There's a community there. I've grown to appreciate that and love that as I've gotten older, but I can't lie and say that I don't see part of Quinn and that fear, that anxiety in me. Do you ever feel like that? A thousand percent. Yeah. Like at least having grown up in Southeast LA, I think the narrative around growing up in a rough and tough community is always like you grow up and you get out. Like that's just kind of what you're meant to do if you want to like essentially survive, you know? And so the idea of like staying in my hometown as much as I love and I appreciate my hometown, I rep the 562 heavy. I know that it's also not like necessarily my place right now for me in my life. When I was going to college and I was going to undergrad, UCLA was what, 30 miles away from my house? But I never explored that side of LA because I was just never told to explore that side of LA. And so I relate to like Quinn and wanting to go out and see the world, but also knowing that like, your home, right? For her, Lima, for me, Norwalk, that's our, that's our home. That's where we plant our roots. And so I think now having gone so far for grad school, I now recognize that like, you can love and you can appreciate your community. And you can also recognize that like, maybe it's not the place for you at that time in your life. And then you can always return to it. You can also always blossom somewhere else. There's also something really valuable in seeing the world, whether that's for school, whether that's for vacationing, whether that's for like going and visiting a friend, right? Like when I go to San Bernardino to visit family, like I recognize it's a very different community. There's something there to like always learn. God, I love that. That is such an open-minded perspective. It seems like you've done the work of like challenging why do you want to leave and explore something different and, and have those experiences is something I've tried to do. But I, I just, I absolutely adore that perspective. It's certainly not something that I considered when I was watching this show the first time. Now I just, I, I really do get where Quinn's character was coming from. Don't get me wrong. Some of her actions were outright despicable mm-hmm. and <laughs> sort of her way of coping with that fear, that fear of stagnation and stuff like that was awful, but I can understand it, especially as an adult and having that taste of something different and experiencing a life outside of that small town that I grew up in. Yeah. Something that's really cool that Glee does is also the fact that it always kind of goes back to Lima. So even when they're going and visiting, uh, oh my gosh, what is Blaine's high school's name? Dalton? Yes. They're like a few miles away or whatever, right? But like the fact that they like recruit people from that town to come back to Lima because they recognize that their hometown is really special, right? And it may not be special to everyone, but it's special to them. I really grasped like onto that concept of like, yeah, Norwalk isn't everyone's cup of tea. And I know that fair and square, right? But it's really special to me and to the people that grew up in it. And I'm sure that you can probably relate to like that in San Bernardino where it's, Maybe not the best on a pamphlet for tourists, but when you grow up, (laughs) you plant your roots, right? (laughs) 
you really learn to like appreciate all the little things about it and somehow in some weird twisted way you circle back to it so even here like in the bay area where i'm living right now like for the audience listening i'm a teacher and we'll i'm sure we'll unpack that later but when i was looking for a school to teach here in the bay area i was very much looking towards schools that look like my population in norwalk it's very easy to get lost in silicon valley money and silicon valley kids and I was actively looking to avoid that. So in some weird, bizarre way, I found my little pocket of Norwalk 300 miles away. And I feel like that's what the Gleeks would do if they were out in the real world. Oh, they absolutely would. <laughs> and um, I like that you mentioned trying to go out of your way to, I guess, subvert that expectation of you. You know, you're going up north to places near Silicon Valley. And I think the expectation is that whatever job you would do, you would be sort of trying to align yourself with maybe money or resources, which look is a real thing to consider. Oh, for sure. Like, right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I would not be knocking you at all if that were the case, but it seems like you're trying to buck up against some of the expectations that were set out for you, mm -hmm. which leads into another theme that is arguably the largest theme in Glee, if you were to ask me, which is sort of like social norms, social hierarchy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where do you fit into that? And sort of the positives and negatives of being really anywhere within that hierarchy. You were telling me that you had a very like diverse experience in high school. You were president of clubs and very active in the high school community. If you had to rank yourself, like, where do you feel like you ended up on that quote unquote hierarchy? Not to like make it a, a light trivial thing, but I, I think it really does relate to the hierarchy that was present in Glee. And then we can speak about that as well. Oh my gosh. It's actually so funny that you ask because I had to take a class on adolescent development. And this was one of the activities that we did where they had us like think back about our high school experience and like kind of rank where we were in the social norms and hierarchy. I know crazy. It was so cool actually to like look around in my classroom and like see how everyone was in very different places. I don't think I was definitely not like at the tippy top. I was not an ASB kid. I was not the ASB, you know, I was yeah. not that girly pop. I was not the prom court girly or whatever, but I'd say I was pretty up there in that. Like, I think because I was so involved in campus, you know me, I'm a pretty extroverted, outgoing girly. I think everyone in my class, which was like, maybe 250, 275 people. I think everyone either knew me or knew of me just because I was at all the rallies. I was like the person that would go ham on spirit days and things like that. Whether or not I was liked around high school, I I really don't know. I never really cared enough, to be uh, honest. Really, what what is it worth knowing that people were fond of me? That's great, but... I don't know. We've all moved on, hopefully. So. No, for real. They didn't pay my tuition, so why did I care? Sure did not. <laughs> it would have been nice, nice of them oh. to do so. But. Right, no, yeah. I'm still accepting, actually. I'll drop my Venmo in the description. <laughs> no, but I, I'm glad that you were able to give that context about like where you felt you stood, because I feel like this is a really big overarching concept in Glee. You see mm -hmm. all of these characters, both within the Glee Club and outside of it, sort of clamoring for what they believe to be their space in that 
ordering of like who is the most popular and who is the least popular how can we get to be just a little bit more popular and in some instances it was just to avoid bullying like one of the main ways that they were bullied and sorry i'm laughing it is played for comedic effect but one of the main ways that the characters were bullied was by having a slushy thrown on them of all various colors and and flavors if you're wondering traditionally um, red i would say i feel like they really got the color scheme down yes generally they were red so it would stay in your face and your clothes and everything and it was pretty awful i believe even some of the teachers on occasion were slushy yes i, I remember that yes yeah so it was a bad time for them so you would see them sort of like trying to do things to get out of that space of like being attacked in that way so it's very real what i liked too was that they showed that this sort of hierarchy does not just collapse after you leave high school it's a little bit more covert and you're not going to see people being like hey i'm the most popular adult in the world like mm -hmm. you wouldn't necessarily expect that but what i'm learning now as an adult is like those hierarchies still do exist it's just a little bit more nuanced and i like that they had adult characters in the show that like represented that hierarchy in the real world you have somebody like sue who is that coach of the cheerios she was at the top of the heap at least mm -hmm. in that sort of school biosphere for adults at least right and then you have somebody like Will, who, while they were popular in high school, is now a bit of an outcast at the school as a teacher. I really like that. I was wondering if you could reflect on where you see any of that like social hierarchy showing up now as an adult, because like I was mentioning, it's probably a little bit less obvious now. But do you still see that showing up for you? And like, do you feel like you appear as an outcast in some ways? Talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, even in just like, granted, it's a bit more parallel to school because it is school, but like in grad school, in my small little program, right, we were in our secondary education cohort, we were 40-ish people. And it was something that like, I definitely look at and I'm like, wow, it's high school 2.0, even as 20, 30, and some of us 40 something year olds, some of us are the people planning the parties and some people aren't being invited to the parties and some people don't vibe with the parties at all and there's like small little groups so they tell us to sit at tables we know exactly who's going to sit with who and why that is and now that i'm going into education i just had recently um a few like meetings and whatnot at my new high school and the principal like stated like oh yeah like, we're gonna all be a family a community here right there's this huge thing where teenagers, obviously being teenagers, are going to be drawn to the younger, newer teachers, right? Which I'll loop myself into, into being that. I'm a 23-year-old teacher. Of course, I'm going to talk the TikTok slang with my kids. But there's, there's tension with like the incoming like 40 and 50-year-old teachers who have been doing this for forever. And they have this like great arsenal of tools and like teaching techniques and curriculum in their back pocket. But maybe they just can't relate to kids as much. And so they're not considered the cool teachers, no matter how cool they are. They're not branded as that. It's so weird thinking about how the labels that someone else places on you carry so much weight. 
as much as we hate to admit it and as much as we actively try to combat it you have to recognize the fact that like if you're a Rachel Berry in life you're going to be treated very differently than a Quinn Fabray or a Santana all of which are labeled very different things oh god I totally agree and I can relate to as being like a younger staff member of a team I'm an advisor at the college that I work at and I'm young I won't put my age out there but we're basically the same age <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I have a few older coworkers that have heaps of experience over me, but it is a bit of a trade-off because where I lack experience, I have just a natural inherent insight to what this generation of students are going through because I was just mm -hmm. one myself. So I can totally relate to that. And it does create a really interesting, gosh, I don't want to say hierarchy again, but it does. Obviously, the people that have more experience than me are looked to as the overarching sort of authority figures in that space. But they look to me sometimes to be like, hey, is this the thing that kids do these days? Like, is this normal? How should we approach this? Yeah, they look to me to sort of relate to the kids in a way that like they just can't anymore. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting dynamic that we have together. But I thought that was so fascinating that you deal with something similar. Mm -hmm. For sure. What I think was so refreshing about this show when it came out was just how many different types of characters were on this show. Obviously, it's like set in a high school, so everybody's generally within the same age range and stuff like that. But within that parameter, there are a lot of different types of students of different races, uh, sexualities, ways that they identify. So I wanted to sort of check in with you about like, when you were watching it, what really stuck with you about the diversity and, and the differentiation between each character? We have to give somewhat credit to Glee for, first of all, having such a diverse cast in the first place. I think for it being aired at the time that it was aired, having so many like people of color and queer folks and folks with different abilities all on the same, quite literally the same stage, was yeah. like really beautiful. I feel like I'm using that word a lot. I feel like I'm using beautiful a lot, but it really is. It is. And what I will say, I don't mean to cut you off, but one thing that I just kept feeling when I was watching this show in reruns as I was just preparing for our interview together was how much heart there is in this show. <laughs> Not all the wording is correct. The placement of certain characters is shoddy at best sometimes. <laughs> But the heart and the beauty of all of these different people coming together and loving each other in spite of their differences, like it's so apparent and it fills mm -hmm. the energy of the show. And it, it just makes it such a fun piece of media to, to look back onto. So I very much so agree with you when, when you keep using that word of like beautiful. Yeah. And circling back to like the idea of diversity, I've mentioned that like there's always something to like follow or like I guess grasp onto because of the plots but I think because of like the diversity also in casting there's someone to always at least semi-relate to right whether that's someone who I mean this doesn't go for everyone obviously but I think they cast a wide enough net for the context of 2009 where media was run by like very skinny straight white folks yeah 
they made it a legitimate effort to sort of pick out some people that like aren't generally given the spotlight. Mercedes, for example, you know, she's a larger black girl. There's also Santana, who is a Latinx character, and she's also revealed to be lesbian later on in the show. Spoilers. Sorry, folks. You should have watched <laughs> it. Been out for 15 years, guys. Respectfully. Uh, yeah, honestly. Seriously. <laughs> we have Artie. Artie is in a wheelchair. We have Becky. Becky has Down syndrome. And not to just sort of like pull out all the people that are like hashtag special, but we have to look at the show in context, in context for the time, what it meant to be somebody on the quote unquote outside. It was a lot less common to do that and to not only put them in the room, but to highlight them for so mm -hmm. many storylines. So it really does mean a lot for the show to feature them so prominently. And it's very easy, especially for us now as adults, and we're all very woke and we have a more nuanced perspective on what it means to be represented in media, which I think is great. I think that's fantastic. But it's so very easy to just look back and criticize this show for all of its failings and all of the ways that they didn't properly highlight these characters and all that they brought to the show. I'd love to have that conversation someday, but I don't know. I, I personally am in awe of how the show managed to incorporate all of these different people in a way that made them feel like on equal standing with each other and like a, a real family in some sort of way. And I felt like family to them in a weird parasocial way. What about you? No, I agree. I think you said it best. There's this innate connection with all of these characters and because they get pretty equal airtime too, there's episodes dedicated to like, I think there's one episode in particular when they're trying to get the bus. I don't know if it's nationals or not, or maybe it's just like regionals. They're trying to get that bus for Artie and they try to like relate to Artie by all being in a wheelchair for a day. And that's a little bit, you know, hyperbolic and very, very theater teacher vibes. But, yeah. you know, the intention was there or the fact that they made Becky have like this like fat crush on Finn, which is like a very real thing. You know, they made Becky be semi like a love interest. And I don't know, there's something like really cool about the fact that they weren't afraid of like diving into these teen norms and these teen things like love and relationships and difficulties in such a diverse and broad cast. So kudos to Glee for at least taking that dive. You know, it wasn't done perfectly. I think there's a lot that we can unpack, but the first dive, I'll tip the hat. I'll tip the hat for sure. I certainly will. And I will also give them credit for making that group of students feel so genuinely connected to each other. Like there was a right. love and a joy and an appreciation that you really felt watching it, which reminds me. You said that you were in different performing arts organizations when you were going to school. Do you feel like, firstly, that you sound like a found family in some of these groups? And do you feel like that was accurately represented in a show like Glee? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, I think had I not been in theater, and I'd argue also like marching band in high school, I don't know where I would have been able to like really let myself loose and like be creative and be fun and be goofy and also like be challenged by people and like, grow alongside them. I think that's something that we see in Glee, right? As we see 
everyone kind of going through their own different struggles and you may not necessarily know the inside of each one's struggles but there's a certain like vulnerability and respect that they have for each other in their own little bubbles and that's something that like speaks very true to like my theater troupe is that like we didn't share every single drop of information of our lives with each other but we knew when someone was a little bit off and we knew okay well maybe we need to give them space maybe we need to check in and it really was as you said like a family a unit lee really really nailed that wasn't that such a like a unique experience i feel like more than ever in high school weirdly enough where like you would join these different clubs and you would spend an exorbitant amount of time with each other my Mm -hmm. things personally were like speech and debate and then i did mock trial as well like those were my hubs and you know you sort of shit on those programs however you will when you're in them and you're like oh like this is stupid this is whatever you do your team thing but we really bonded we really connected even if you weren't looking for that sort of connection you're right you would notice if somebody was just not in the same spirits that they generally are like -hmm. you would notice when somebody was going through something and there was a special sort of support and care that we were able to offer that other people couldn't because mm-hmm. we saw them so often and we knew who they were at their core. And it's just a special relationship that you can find in those high school clubs. It's, it's just dope. Agreed. So we touched on this a little bit earlier, but as we close out this interview portion of the episode, I want to open up the space for some reflection. So you're now a teacher yourself which is insane. I'm like, I knew you as a little baby girl. So I'm like, you're an adult woman who is really shaping the minds of the next generation, which is like insane to me. How do you think this sort of shift in the way that you're experiencing the school setting, going from being the student to being the authority figure, the person that is shaping minds and and helping the next folks grow into who they're going to be? What do you think that does to your perspective on a show like Glee and the characters that are represented? I think as a student while watching Glee, I always try to like find myself in these characters and in these plot lines. But now as a teacher, I'm watching this and I'm finding like parts of my students and like their struggles and whatnot in these characters. Looking at like the role of like Will, for example, right? Will Schuster. He's not necessarily the greatest of teachers, but he's a he's a great mentor in that like they really confide in him, right? He builds that relationship and that trust. And that's like I think number one for me as a teacher. Like if I can get kids to trust me and to show up every day, whether or not they're like finishing a paragraph, like that does not matter to me. But if they can show up every day and feel comfortable and feel safe, then I know that I've done my job. There's something really cool about seeing Will Schuster, right? Who's a really really bad Spanish teacher, horrible Spanish teacher, questionable glee mentor, but he's still a bigger of trust and confidence for them. That's something that I I deeply respect as an educator, because I feel like that's where a lot of the work that we do lies, is can we get kids to realistically trust us and buy into a really broken system, even if it's just for 90 minutes a day in my period? I totally see that in you that desire to cultivate and foster a real community. Because I think it's underestimated 
how often we as kids are in that place. Like we are at school every day of at least the weekday for several hours. Those adults in those classrooms are the people that for better or worse, we look up to because mm -hmm. sometimes we're around them more than we're around our parents on a given day. It means the absolute world that you are taking that seriously because it is a real responsibility. I liked the comparison that you made between yourself and Mr. Shu because, yeah, like you said, not the best teacher, <laughs> but he certainly made those students feel safe and seen and comfortable to be their truest selves. And if that's not the primary goal of any teacher, I, I really don't know what is. Yeah. I mean, if that's not the goal of like any teacher, then you're in the wrong field. Like respectfully, yeah. I personally don't think that education is about teaching kids facts and figures and curriculum. I think it's about teaching people just how to be better people. And curriculum is just the vehicle to do that with. Whether or not my kids know about every date in the French Revolution, girl, I, I'm, no one's going to quiz them on the streets about that. But they are going <laughs> to like, yeah. you know, just being very real. I've never been asked about that except for when I needed to get my credential. Realistically, if you don't know how to work as a team player, if you can't handle discourse on really sensitive, hard topics in a way that's backed with evidence and whatnot, like all these skills, that's where your work as a teacher is really going to show. And I think looking back at this past year where I did my student teaching and like I led classrooms on my own, that's something that I always like anchored my teaching in is, okay, well, when these kids leave my classroom, are they going to be good people? It's a really hard measurement, but I think if I continuously go back and anchor my work in that, then there's something like really fulfilling in, in knowing that, like you said, like we're shaping minds as teachers, but we're shaping hearts and we're shaping communities also. That is a wonderful sentiment to close out this portion of the episode with. I sincerely hope above all else that there are more people like you that are going into that space because the kids need it. I, I feel like I need it. <laughs> I need it. I need a mentor that has even half the love and care that you're putting into your work. So thank I say you. all that to say, of course, and thank you for doing what you do. And thank you for coming onto the show and believing in what I'm trying to do here. That means a lot. Thank you for having me. You have no clue just how happy I was when I got your text and you were like, hey, I have this idea. Hear me out. And I was like, oh. Stop, I'm honored. Count me in. When and where? What am I doing? Who, who, what, how? It's going to happen. <laughs> this is community at work, people. We're doing it. Truly. Well, with that being said, we're going to hop right into ad break, so stay tuned. All right, and welcome back to Retrospection Connection. Like I said before, we're hopping right into ad break. Lily, are you ready? Yes, Cerritos Auto Square, and I hope all my SoCal people get that reference. I get it almost too much. It's kind of triggering <laughs> because that is like one of the public access commercials that like always plays and I'm in love with it slash very sick of it. No, for real. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Question one. What would you title the current episode of your life? Oh, my gosh. I think I would title, okay, just to make it Glee reminiscent, I think I would title it, and that's what you missed on, Changing. 
everything in my life right now is changing in so many beautiful yet scary ways. Like looking at where I'm at right now is totally different than where I was a month ago. Even just physically moving, I just moved into like my new apartment. I'm done with school, at least as like a student. And I know that like in a month's time, I'm going to be in a very different place in so many different ways. It's a blessing and a curse. I can completely relate to that for better and for worse. Like everything changes. It's like one of those things that we always know. We know that things can always change. But when you're going through those experiences, the hope is that it's at least somewhat exciting. And I'm hoping that for you, it is that case as well. You've done really well for yourself. And it's only the beginning. You have two degrees a year apart. Like that is phenomenal. And you're pursuing the profession that you have loved and that you've wanted to aspire to do for a long time. So I'm very excited for you, but change is real and it can be just as scary as it is exciting. So mm-hmm. I guess I, I hope you know that you have, you have people out here, you have me, you know, that cares about you and is willing to talk about it. All the uncomfortable parts of it that are feeling weird or awkward, I can intimately relate to that. So let's talk about it, girl. Thank you. And likewise, for all the the auditory listeners, I just blew a kiss. So just imagine that in your mind. And I caught it. I did catch it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Question two. How has your taste in media evolved over time? And do you see any sort of through lines between your current taste and that of your younger self? Ooh, I think it's just broadened. I don't really think I've cut anything out or grown out of anything. I think it's just kind of grown in size. And I definitely still listen to Glee, like, religiously. Like, if I already put my stuff on shuffle right now, there's going to be at least one or two bops that come up. Most likely, Annie, are you okay? Because that is on repeat 24-7. That is an excellent cover of that song. And that is one of the things that Glee is known for. Like, they are known for doing songs a little bit better than the original. Don't shoot me. Oh, no. I'm, I'm with you. A thousand yeah. percent. I'm more talking about the audience. I'm like, some people are really going to have a problem with what I'm saying. But I am a change maker. I am <laughs> controversial. So I have to put it out there. But that's one of the fun things about Glee, too. And we didn't even really get into it during the interview portion. But the music, I think, is what allows it to transcend that very, like, time-specific story that it was telling. Because we still listen to that stuff to this very day. They sang spectacularly. So Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love that you still go back to that. All right. One more question. You good for it? I'm all ears. What's something that you would tell your younger self? That version of you that maybe watched Glee or even earlier than that. What is important for them to hear right now? This is such a good question. What a closing question. And I can't wait to hear your response to... Uh, maybe if somebody <laughs> asked me, nobody asked me yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would tell little 16 slash 17 year old Lily watching Kristen Chenoweth in the UCSB dorm that it's okay to slow down sometimes and it's okay to not just be one Glee character. I think I really try to cling on to 
finding my one person. And like we've mentioned a thousand and one times in this show, there's always something to gravitate towards and that's really special. And it's okay to go through phases in life that are, you know, left, right, and up, down. So long as you you take what you get and you learn from it and you you keep pushing. That's very important, I think, for anybody to hear, but especially folks that are like young and coming up. Because if the younger version of me was here, they would certainly be surprised with how much has changed and Mm -hmm. how much I didn't have control over. When you're younger, you have this perception of adulthood, like, okay, I'm going to have complete autonomy over Mm -hmm. what happens in my life and who gets to be there and what I get to say, how I get to act. And there's so much that's already prescribed to you, you know, depending on what field that you work in, depending on what, you know, organizations you might be a part of. Like, mm-hmm. there's all these expectations for how things should be. And so I like what you said. Be prepared and be open for things to be different mm-hmm. and to see yourself in a lot of different spaces. Don't limit yourself to. I think yeah. I would have appreciated hearing that back in the day. I love that. Is that what you would tell your teenage self as well? Or what would be your message? That would certainly be part of it. I would also tell my younger self to hold on to the things that matter to you, regardless of how it may be perceived or interpreted by other people. Mm. If it's an earnest and sincere appreciation that you have for something, whether that be a hobby or TV show or a movie, music, anything. If it's coming from an honest place and it's not hurting anybody, that's the key. That's what you need to hold on to. That's what you need to embrace. And anything else that anybody's got going on, if it's not what's calling to you, you don't have to take that on for yourself. You don't have to make that fit for you because as you've seen, other things naturally fit for you. You know, I'm thinking of singing. That's something that I'm trying to get back into as an adult because I really shoved that down when I was growing up, especially as coming like into teenagehood. I did not embrace that part of myself because I think I was just embarrassed. I was nervous about how people would see it, but I would tell myself to hold on to that because first of all, you're good at it. Let's get into that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I'm good at it and it makes me happy. It gives me an outlet to express myself, just like this podcast. Yeah, I would tell myself to hold on to those things because there's nothing wrong with it. Wow. I'm going to drop the word that we've been dropping, but that was beautiful. Thank you. I thought so, too. I was like, damn, I kind of spit there. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is an excellent note to wrap this up on. I want to extend the same invitation to you that I sent to my previous guests because I think this was phenomenal going back and looking at this show with you. If you have anything that, you know, media-wise that means something to you that you would like to unpack with me, definitely let me know. And I would love to have you back on as a recurring guest of the show. I would be honored. Thank you. I'll definitely be shooting you a text if and when things pop into my little brain. Yay. Well, I love you, and I hope that you have an amazing rest of your day. Likewise. Love and appreciate you so, so much. Alrighty. Bye-bye.